Welcome to The Bull and the Bear, a money and markets podcast. We give you the advice you need to know to make investing safe and profitable. With The Bull and the Bear podcast, you'll get exclusive access to some of the top thinkers, analysts, advisors, and gurus in the investment business. And now for your hosts, Matt Clark and Charles Sizemore. Hello, everyone. Matt Clark, research analyst with Money and Markets here with your latest Bull and the Bear podcast. Now, before I get started, I do want to tell you that uh, uh, we talked about this before. And, and if you've read Money and Markets over the last couple of weeks, uh, you've seen us kind of talk up, you know, this new trading strategy that uh, chief investment strategist Adam O'Dell has been, uh, been talking about. And I want to let you know that there is an event coming up on uh, January 12th at one o'clock Eastern that you want to listen to because in it, Adam is going to tell you uh, about the strategy and how he guarantees and what leads him to this guarantee of the average of, of, of 100% winner every month for a year. So I, I probably didn't phrase that exactly correctly, but the, the, the idea is, is that you're, there's going to be 12 winners in here of at least 100% over the course of a year. So an average of 100% gains every month on the average for a year. And probably even more than that. So go to theinvestingsecret.com. That's theinvestingsecret.com and uh, find out more about how you can sign up and uh, take part in this, in this event. Again, it's on January 12th at one o'clock. You want to get your seat now. It's very limited. So don't, don't, don't wait till the last minute because you may not have a seat. So uh, check it out uh, right now. That's theinvestingsecret.com. Now to jump into today's podcast, um, I'm bringing in uh, Money Markets uh, editor, Greens and Fortunes uh, co-editor, Charles Sizemore. Uh, and, and uh, you know, this is, this is a, uh, a sector that we're going to talk about today that, that has had a lot of hype. I mean, a ton of hype, at least until around March of 2020, when nobody got any hype except for the coronavirus. Uh, investors, myself included, um, saw this particular sector really taking off and soaring, and companies that, that take part in this sector were just going to go up like gangbusters, and it was going to be huge. But then the corona crash happened, and, and, and investors shift gears. Uh, the sector slowed down, uh, millions of businesses closed, more, even more people were forced to stay at home. So the brakes were pumped quite a bit. But I have to admit, I'm still bullish and have been bullish even, even through the coronavirus on this sector. Um, and I think it's one that's already started to gain steam. And I'm talking about 5G. Now, 5G is one of those, it, it, it's not necessarily one of those easily defined sectors because there's so many things involved. It's not just cell phone companies. It's not just cell tower companies. It's not just, you know, it, it, it's a wide range. It's not just semiconductors. I know those are the hot ones to talk about, but there's a lot more to 5G than just who makes the right cell phone, who makes who, who has the tower and who makes the semiconductors that go in it. There, there's a lot more to it because it's a very complicated process. Um, but, you know, 5G is basically the cellular and wireless technology that's being rolled out across the country and around the world, really, that essentially, just to kind of put it in perspective for you, now if you have a two-hour movie that you want to download, it will take you, I don't know, 20, 30 minutes. Uh, with 5G technology, that will be reduced to maybe one, two minutes tops, if not faster. So it's going to make the speed of which we do things on the internet, on our phones, on our tablets, how we conduct business, it is going to revolutionize how we do that. And I've talked about that before. But the growth of this industry, I can, I can point to the Defiance 5G Next Gen uh, Connectivity ETF. It trades on the New York Stock Exchange under uh, FIVG, that's 5G. Um, and it's, it's about 74% higher off of its March lows. Now, I, that's a little subjective because again, March lows, everyone hit a March low and, and, and any gain you see off of those March lows is going to be pretty good. But this is actually very strong. 74% uh, for this ETF is actually very impressive. 
So what I want to do today is I'm going to bring in Charles. And, and first off, Charles, thank you for joining us. Welcome uh, uh, back from uh, your, so, your holiday sojourn to Peru. Uh, and uh, we're going to talk about three companies. And uh, Charles and I are going to give you our take on those three and let you know whether they are companies that maybe you should invest in, maybe you should maybe put on a watch list, or ones you should probably stay away from altogether. So I want to get to the first one uh, first. It's a company that produces equipment uh, that are used in mobile devices, other wireless products such as network equipment, uh, broadband gateway equipment, consumer electronic devices. This is just a very, very uh, smart way of saying they make a lot of the equipment that are used for 5G implementation. <laughs> that's, that's about as simple as I can put it. Um, the company has beat Wall Street expectations for both earnings per share and sales in each of the last five quarters. So it's had a very, very strong run. It had a very, very good 2020. Um, one bit of news, however, most recently is that its CEO announced, uh, announced their retirement after 26 years with the company, but they've immediately ushered in a successor without much fanfare or anything like that. Actually, it's a company veteran. Uh, stock price went from a low of about 59.86 in March to a high of 158.80 in early December. Uh, it's about a jump of about 165%. It's pared back slightly and is trading now as, as, I, as we record this and talk about this at around 152. And I think a lot of that is part of this recent tech sell-off as uh, sectors are starting to turn a little bit uh, with, uh, with the recent election. Uh, not only of uh, Joseph R. Biden, uh, but also the uh, uh, Georgia uh, runoff uh, uh, results where Democrats have now taken control of the House, so, or the Senate rather. So now you're going to see a little bit of a sector rotation out of tech and into other things like energy and whatnot. We'll talk about that in a separate podcast. But anyway, this, com this, this uh, company is Qualcomm Incorporated, trades on the NASDAQ under QCOM. That's QCOM, QCOM. Uh, and uh, Charles, first, uh, let, me, let, me, let me throw it to you. Tell me, tell me your thoughts about Qualcomm. Yeah, it's funny. I, I divide tech into what I would call glitzy, sexy tech, you know, like the, um, you know, the, the app of the day that, that people are talking about, you know, software-based companies for the most part, right? Software and services companies. That's sexy tech. Right. And there is what I would call gritty tech, which is just the stuff that under the hood, you know, the equipment. You know, the right. stuff that's not as interesting, not as sexy. and The, the stuff you don't see the name of. You, you, they're, they're, yeah. Their names aren't stamped everywhere. So you don't, it, there's not an it, Apple exactly. sign or anything like that. Like you, you don't really know who makes your car, the carburetor. Actually, cars don't have carburetors anymore. What a <laughs> ridiculously dated statement that was. Right. I, I get is, you. you who, who cares about the brand of a carburetor, right? It's just, it's under the hood, right? Right. So, so that's, that's kind of where, where these tech companies are, right? It doesn't mean they're not important. They're just not as visible. Right. Well, I actually do like Qualcomm. I think it, it rates well. I think this is a stock that it makes sense to own for the next couple of years. Uh, like you, I do agree that the, the 5G rollout would have probably been the biggest story of 2020 uh, had the coronavirus pandemic not just turned everything upside down. Right. That did slow down some things because if you're a, co a company just you know trying to survive right now, um, you know, upgrading your systems to 5G may not really be top of the list. Right. Now, ironically, it probably should have been because with everybody working remotely and whatnot, that-, that It would have been a huge benefit. It would have been a huge benefit, of course. But, you know, when you're just struggling to, um, you know, think on the fly and just, just make your business viable during right. a, a revolutionary period, that's just not, 
that's not going to be at the top of the list, right? A lot, of, a lot of unknowns for a lot of unknowns for businesses during the coronavirus, and and you know, it's it's nice to be aggressive. It's nice to be uh, to to think outside the box and figure out how you can how how you can work smarter, not harder. But I'm pretty sure that 5G wasn't really high on that priority list. Not on the priority it's, list. It, it's not it's not completely developed and rolled out yet. Well, contrary yeah. contrary to what commercials will tell you. The 5G that you're getting, you know, that you can see advertised from multiple cell phone carriers isn't necessarily the 5G that you're going to see in the next year or so. No. In it's fact, not. it's not even close. Not even close. Not even close. My cell phone will tell me I'm getting 5G signal, and I have noticed no material difference from my previous right. cell phone, which never had that. Um, that what does that tell you? It tells you it's, it's, it has not really been rolled out yet. Exactly. So, um, but yeah, Qualcomm, Qualcomm should benefit from that trend. Um, as company, as the world gets back to normal and as companies start to prioritize more normal things and as people go back to work, you remember there is an employment rate is still very elevated right now. There are a lot of companies not investing in tech right. because they're still slashing headcount. You know, it, it, it's a bad look to be ramping up your R&D budget or your, your, your capital expenditure budget. And cutting employees. Cutting employees. <laughs> but but that, that goes into reverse this year. I mean, it already has gone into reverse. It's, it's, it's you know, things are improving. It's a process, but, you know, it, this, this talk is on the right side of that process. And, and, and I have to say that if you look at its, its you know, fundamentals, return ons, uh, you know, its price ratios, uh, you know, all are very, very good. And they're very, very good when compared to the rest of the tech sector. Uh, in fact, you know, another benefit of this style of this, of this company, it does pay a dividend. It's four dividend yield now is about 1.7%, give or take. Uh, so you're looking Which, about- Which by the way, is about in line with the S&P 500. So exactly. you are getting, you know, a market matching yield. Exactly. If we take a look at Adam O'Dell's uh, uh, six-factor green zone rating system, Qualcomm actually ranks very high. It ranks an 86, uh, which would put, a, put that in the strong bullish category um, for us. So we, we see it outperforming uh, the rest of the market by at least three times over the next 12 months. It is a little pricey, not going to lie. Uh, you know, trading at around 152 is not you know, necessarily for, you know, the, the average investor who may just want to look at a stock that's more $35. But uh, when, when you've got a, a solid earnings per share, uh, you have a solid dividend yield, you've got really good momentum going on right now, it might be worth bumping up and, and maybe getting a couple shares into Qualcomm. I like Qualcomm. I'm with Charles. Uh, I think we're both, uh, we're, we're both pretty bullish on Qualcomm and it'd be uh, a company definitely worth having in your portfolio. The next company, uh, this is uh, a company that develops products uh, for mobile radio, macro radio, cloud native radio equipment. All these uh, radio type technologies are used primarily in cell, uh, cell and mobile technology. It's uh, met or beat Wall Street expectations for earnings per share in each of the last five quarters. However, kind of a, uh, a, a not, not a huge issue, but one to consider is that it does have a one-year annual sales growth rate of, a, of negative 5.4%. Not horrible, but not great. Um, however, on the bright thing, on a bright front, it recently uh, uh, announced it was working with a Saudi Arabian company to implement 5G-powered Wi-Fi and 60,000 5G gateways across Saudi Arabia. Um, so that is, uh, you know, that is a huge rollout and implementation uh, in a country that is is challenging in terms of how to spread out 5G coverage because you have a lot of very concentrated uh, population. Uh, right in the middle of a lot of desert. So it'd be interesting to see how they navigate. The company's stock price uh, reached a low of about $2.42 back in March. 
again, everyone hit a low back in March of 2020. It kind of goes without saying, but it has jumped. It did jump to a high of about $5 and 10 cents back in August, which is a hundred 111% increase. The price has backed off a little bit again, probably do a little bit to the sector rotation out of tech to about $4 and eight cents per share as we're recording this. Now the company is Nokia corporation trades on the New York stock exchange under N O K. Uh, there is also a very complicated way of saying Nokia, but we'll just keep it at Nokia uh, because getting into getting into the Scandinavian pronunciation, just really, it's like Ericsson, just really isn't worth it. Just call it what it is. So uh, Charles Nokia, uh, this is a company that's uh, traded. If you look at the stock chart, man, it's, it's traded kind of strange. Yeah. So I was initially a little wishy-washy on, uh, on Nokia. I, I I'm, I'm gonna, I'm actually gonna revise, revise that and, and, and say I'm, I'm, I'm bullish. Uh, there's a couple reasons. Uh, I, a lot of it comes down to kind of big picture macro. There's only a very small handful of companies that do more or less what Nokia does. Uh, Ericsson and, and China's Huawei. Uh, that's, that's basically it. I, I know like some, some tech techies out there will probably take me to task and tell me I'm wrong, but like, it, I think, speaking, I, I think in terms of companies speaking, that can do it to yes. scale, and they can yeah, work with other countries. You've got Nokia, you've got Ericsson, you have Huawei. And that's really that's basically it. it, right? And so about that, um, the Trump administration sort of had an on-again, off-again bromance with, with China. It was, uh, you know, one minute we're best friends, you know, we, we're, we got a deal in sight. You know, the next minute we're mortal enemies. And, you know, it was just, it wasn't real consistent. But over the course of four years, the policy sort of congealed more around, it started to congeal over the course of four years. Right. And the incoming administration is, I think, going to continue that. And you're going to see, you know, during the Cold War, U.S. policy wasn't that different between Democrat and Republican administrations. Republicans Correct. were a little bit more hawkish, the Democrats a little less hawkish. But there was broad consensus on, okay, there is a, a threat in the Soviet Union. Right. And our policy is to contain that threat. Right. Ho hopefully without firing a bullet. But, you know, if we have to, we have to. But, like, like this is, you know, this was very, it was very clear. Right. I, I think what we've witnessed over the last, and it's been building for a while, but particularly over the last four years, we, the, the Americans and Europeans, we, we've all had this, Idea, we, we had these conflicting ideas of, well, we don't really <clears throat> like the Chinese government, but wow, look at the size of that market. I mean, we want to do business there. Exactly. Uh, yeah. And I think what, what we're, you know, the conclusions we've, we've reached, and it was a long time to get here, but it was okay. This is not really a regime we're comfortable with. Um, I, I think we really are. I mean, it's cliche to say it, but I think we really are in, you know, kind of the early stages still of, of Cold War 2.0. Right. And, you know, if you remember, there were the big scandals with, well, was Huawei equipment being used to spy. Yeah, you had in uh, cases, issues in Africa. Actually, you had issues. Was. Yeah, you had issues in Africa where uh, in, in some countries that Huawei, actually Huawei technicians were being asked by government officials to use their technology to spy on on others. And yeah, you know, and then there's also the fear that because of Chinese law, uh, you know, Chinese law does stipulate that a Chinese company can be used for government use. And the fear is, is that because that, that's 5G exactly is what they're going to do. <laughs> yeah. And because 5G is so, I don't want to say intrusive because it's not really the right, right word, but you know, 5G is one of those things that we're all going to touch on a little bit. Uh, it's going to impact all of us 
So it makes things like data and, 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 and personal information and whatnot very susceptible. So the fear here is that, the, you know, the Chinese government can say, look, Huawei, um, we know that you're, you, 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 you rolled out 5G technology in country X, and we want to use the data that you can pull from country X's users and, and, and store that or use that for our own gain. And the U.S. government is like, no, we're not going to do that. So Yeah, um, and I think what you're going to see is, is more countries are, are going to kind of well, you're probably going to have two sets of countries, those that are more in line with China and are comfortable buying Chinese equipment. And, and I might add, the Chinese equipment is arguably better. I actually have a good friend in telecom who uh, lives in Peru. Uh, he told me, man, we had to go Huawei because when something breaks at 3 o'clock in the morning, Huawei has to, they'll fly in some guy from China if they have to, and he's going to be on a tower fixing it like within an hour. Right. So we, we, we call the Europeans and they'll get to it in three months. So, that would right. be, you know, so basically but, well, what you're saying is Huawei has better customer service. Well, I, <laughs> I mean, sure. <laughs> but, uh, but, 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 you know, be that, be all, be all that as it may. Um, I, I do think you're going to see a lot of political pressure building. I, Nokia basically has a massive advantage in that you're going to have the strong arm of government nudging, you know, nudging, carrier after carrier to use yeah, their equipment, Ericsson's equipment, rather than Huawei. So I, I, I think I think Nokia is actually, or Nokia, I still pronounce it wrong, but it doesn't matter. Anyway, I think this stock is uh, is, is one that it's probably worth holding on to for the next few years. And I agree. I, I, you know, and just for those very reasons, you know, because, um, you know, you are going to have those two, those two sides of, of this 5G battle on, on the nation side, because nations are going to be rolling this out, not neighborhood by neighborhood, but we're talking about country by country. Uh, you know, the, the, the Great Britain is looking at it. Obviously, you know, uh, Saudi Arabia is looking at this. The United States is doing this. And, and this is going to be done as countries, not as, okay, we're going to roll. Now, maybe here in the U.S., it'll be done by neighborhood. Like, we're going to do it in Dallas. We're going to do it in Palm Beach. We're going to do it here. But by and large, European countries uh, and, and, and even those in Asia are going to be looking at this. We want to roll this out as a nation. We want this to be out and we flip a switch and, and it's on and everyone has access to it. And I actually like that approach. And Nokia, um, Nokia is going to face some competition from their, from their Scandinavian brethren and Ericsson. Um, but I think you're going to see more collaboration than competition with Nokia and Ericsson. And I like that. And I think Nokia can benefit from it. Fundamentally their you know, return ons are solid. Uh, the, the, the price ratios are good. Um, the debt concerns me a little bit right around $7.8 billion in debt right now, but I, you know, I can get past that. And, and for anyone who's in the back of their mind is thinking that the U S is actually going to buy into Nokia or Ericsson, just to spell that right now, cause it's probably not going to happen. Uh, I don't see Scandinavian governments allowing that, but regardless, um, I think Nokia is a buy. I think it's a buy and hold, uh, or at least a buy and, 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 and look, uh, into for the next probably 12 months. And if we look at uh, our green zone rating system, Nokia rates a 69 uh, out of 100, which means we're bullish on it. Um, it's kind of mid-range in volatility, mid-range in momentum. It's very good in value, uh, as, as, as like I said, with its price, uh, with its price, sale, price to sales, price to cash flow, price to book, uh, price to earnings, all very, very good, especially compared to the rest of the industry. So Nokia is a buy. Uh, for me, it is a buy for Charles. Now, our last company will roll through very, very quickly. It's a company that specializes in developing products to convert analog signals into digital data 
and in reverse, taking digital data and making it analog signals. It also works on radio microwave signals. Again, another fancy way of saying this is all things that are, that are crucial into 5G implementation. Uh, for the last five quarters, the company's beat Wall Street earnings per share expectations, but has fallen short in two of the last five quarters in sales. Uh, it's one-year annual sales growth rate minus 6.4%, not a huge concern. It's one-year annual uh, EPS growth rate is a minus 9.9, but right around 10%. Uh, stock price hit a low of $80 per share back in March has risen to nearly $152 per share as of this week. That's a 90% increase. Uh, however, from June to November, the stock is trading relatively sideways, and it wasn't until kind of the middle of November when it started to pick up again. Uh, it is about 6% uh, off of its mean price target set by 20 Wall Street analysts. So it still has a little bit of room to grow according to uh, some Wall Street, uh, Wall Street expectations. So uh, the, country, the co company here rather is Analog Devices Incorporated, trades on the NASDAQ under the ticker ADI. Charles, ADI briefly, tell me your thoughts. You know, I, I'm less committed to this one. Um, I, I think it is a very decent company. Uh, I, I just, I'm not super comfortable with the valuation right now. This is one I would probably wait on. Um, I, I would not chase this one higher. Uh, you know, I, the only thing that gets me that gets me to to you know be encouraged by this stock is its momentum. Uh, and its momentum since November. Uh, you know, very rarely do you see stocks stocks move upwards like this. Stocks very rarely move upwards like this. They can move down like this, sure. but very rarely do you see them move up. But we did see something kind of strange. In November, over a course of about three, four, five days, that's exactly what ADI did, is they moved up like this. And they've, considered, they've continued that upward trend ever since. Now, are they going to maintain it? I really don't know. Um, you know, as far as, as, as their price ratios, they're kind of in line with the industry. They're not as good as Nokia or, uh, um, uh, you know, and they're not as good um, obviously is Qualcomm, but you know, they are kind of in line. Uh, their return ons or return ons are all positive, uh, which is good. Uh, they do have a little less debt. They do pay a dividend. Their forward dividend yields about 1.6%, uh, which is a little higher than the SP average. Uh, still something to bank on. I would be kind of with Charles here. And that is, I think it can be a buy. Uh, if, if you're comfortable jumping into it now, uh, then, then I would, I, I would probably get into it now. Um, I don't know if I can see a pullback here if it meets resistance at one, say 152, maybe it could be a good resistance point. I'm not really sure. Um, but I also think it could be a wait and see. Not again, I think ADI is a company worth investing in. I'm just not sure if the timing is right right now. So uh, Qualcomm and Nokia, we are both very, uh, very solid on as far as ADI. I think we're kind of neutral, um, maybe a neutral buy, if you will, neutral to bullish. Um, so that's, uh, that's kind of our take on those three stocks. Again, tons of 5G stocks out there, uh, tons of 5G ETFs out there. We're probably going to talk more about this topic uh, as the months roll and we start seeing more, uh, more roll out. Uh, again, I do want to uh, encourage you that if you are uh, listening to this as a podcast, go to our YouTube channel, go to youtube.com, type in Money and Markets. You'll see the green bull, uh, bull and bear logo. Make sure you uh, subscribe and then hit the notification bell and get notified each and every time we put out a new video. Also, if you're on the reverse, maybe you're watching a video, you want to listen to it on your smartphone or as a podcast, uh, you can check us out. We're on uh, Apple Podcasts, we're on uh, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Amazon, 
uh, a wealth of podcast indicators out there. Make sure you check it out. But I would be remiss if I did not tell you to go to moneymarkets.com each and every day. You'll see writings from myself, from Charles, from Adam O'Dell, from Michael Carr. Uh, we contribute every day uh, information that is meant to provide safe and sound investment advice for you. Uh, and sign up for our free e-letter. Uh, we put out an e-letter every day, Saturday to Sunday, and it's absolutely free. Just go to moneymarkets.com, make sure you sign up, and you'll start getting that e-letter ASAP. We've got uh, more on the way. We'll have more from Charles next week on the Bull and the Bear podcast. So I thank you for joining us. And uh, until next time, everyone, this is Money Markets Research Analyst and your host of the Bull and the Bear podcast, the Marijuana Market Update, and the week ahead, Matt Clark, wishing you all safe trading. You've been listening to The Bull and the Bear, a Money and Markets podcast. Tune in each week to hear insights on how to make investing safe and profitable for you. 